You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for biohacking women over 50. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a gerontologist, digital nomad, certified sports nutrition, and breathing coach. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan, the cookbook, Eating for Longevity, and a new upcoming energy reboot program for women over 50. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I would really appreciate it if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find us too. This is a really small but very critical gesture that makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for older women, help us grow stronger, get our voice out there, and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. You can now watch all of our podcast interviews and more on the Hack My Age YouTube channel. Some of our interviews include slideshows, so it's great to have. Every day there is a new video, so just search Hack My Age on YouTube.com or find the link on the HackMyAge.com website. Easy peasy. Before we start the show, I need to tell you that I'm going to go to the Profound Health Summit in London from September 30th to October 2nd, 2022, and it's a jam-packed weekend. We're going to meet some of the guests we already had on the show in person, like Dr. Bill Laurence, who will teach us even more about peptides, and Phil Mikens, who shared how to reverse macular degeneration and cataracts. And you're going to love all the other guests who will focus on peptides and their role in epigenetics of aging and improving our health and, and more importantly, our health span. So we're going to have time for drinks, a fancy tea break, three-course lunch and dinner, and time for networking with some of the most brilliant minds and aging. And it's in a really luxurious setting too at the Gluten Who Golf and Spa Resort. So make sure you make time to join me in the sauna. Uh, early bird tickets are now available. And whether you book now or later, use the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, to get a free entry to the VIP cocktail and a free consultation with me, maybe even while we're in the sauna. So go to profound-health-summit com for all the details, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the podcast. For the next 30 minutes, we are talking about hacking inflammation with food with holistic nutritionist Melanie Murphy. Melanie is a registered dietitian and completed her master's of nutrition, health span, and longevity at USC. This is so right up our alley. Um, and I would like to welcome Melanie. How are you? Good, great. How are you? Very good. I, I love our, our, our bi-coastal relationship, our bi, <laughs> bi-continental relationship. Yeah, these are, you're in LA, I'm in Spain, and um, yeah, yeah this is, it's amazing that we have Zoom. And we're, we're, we're going strong, we're going strong. Totally. I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. You are a wealth of knowledge. You've got great experience. Um, I love every time you share with us something new. I learn something new from you every time. And I get great Beautiful. messages from so many people who, who absolutely love what you have to say and you've helped them a lot. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, yes. So a lot of people have been asking me about food and inflammation and does it really work? I mean, you know, people are sometimes are so used to popping a pill and that, you know, that works pretty quickly. But to me, it seems as though it's just a bandaid on the problem. It's maybe not really solving the problem. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience with food and inflammation? I mean, we get, we can get 
inflamed from a variety of things. Um, but food is one of the most potent ways to reduce inflammation in your body. Um, even if it's not food that's causing the inflammation in our, our food can be an incredibly potent medicine for us. Um, but it can also be so a poison, right? It, it can be a po- and that's, and that's, and that's the point. Um, we can get inflamed from eating foods that don't agree with our body. We can get inflamed from environmental toxins. We can get inflamed from stress and emotional stress. We can get inflamed from over so many different things. Um, but food is one of those, one of those, um, toxins that we don't really realize how much it builds over time, which is why you know, listening to your body and those, those little whispers that your body gives you, those symptoms, the fatigue, the body aches, the forgetfulness, all of those are signs that you're, you know, potentially building up those toxins. And it could be a lot of, I mean, I'm a dietitian, so a lot of the patients, most of the patients I see are, are having toxic inflammation from, from foods that don't agree with them, but it could be um, that food is a, is a, one of the ways that you can mitigate that, even if it's not a food related toxin, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. I've got um, one of our viewers have asked about eczema as well. And okay. she's, um, so she wanted me to ask you about eczema and inflammation. Is it food related? I mean, you don't know her, she's not your client. Um, so she just went to bed, woke up this morning with crazy eczema on her face. And um, I didn't have a chance to ask her what she ate, what she thinks about it. But I think your skin is a good uh, indicator of something's not quite right in your body, right? Oh, yeah. So the one thing that I want to make very clear is our skin, when we, when we have inflammation, it starts from the inside, right? And it works its way out. Mm-hmm. So when you have had something that is affecting your skin, you are already, you have been inflamed for a while. Mm. And now it's just finally making its way out. So if somebody has been experiencing eczema and they feel, maybe it does feel sudden to them, they just woke up. It's not something that just happened overnight. Most likely you have been having a toxic buildup for a while and now it's finally showing itself on your skin. Okay. And that's, that's absolutely true with eczema as well. Eczema though could be, I, I have a few clients with eczema also, and it could be toxic build up from environmental things that have just been building over time or you know a lot of times it's a perfect storm you know they have a stressful job they Mm -hmm. are eating a a diet high in refined sugars or Mm -hmm. they're you know drinking a lot of alcohol or you know and they're not buying organic foods they're getting extra uh, pesticide and, and pl toxins in there so it could be a variety of things but oftentimes if somebody is coming with to me with chronic skin related issues that's a a chronic internal toxic overload and inflammation that's been building for a while. So there's a lot of fanning, Uh calling those flames. So what would you say then? Um, How do you explain then somebody who has eczema, let's say it's from food or food related. And, you know, like this woman who wakes up and she's got this, this eczema all over her place. So what those, there's people who say, okay, I'm allergic to strawberries and they suddenly get a rash. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, Mm -hmm. Every time it's kind of seems immediately like they eat something and then they're inflamed and because Mm -hmm. maybe they're allergic to something, but is that in addition to maybe having an immediate reaction, also something that's been building up over time in the body. And then it's just, now it's easily triggered. Whereas before it wasn't, I mean, how do you explain sometimes those instant reactions? 
Absolutely. It's a good question. I think the way that I'm interpreting that question is the difference between an actual food allergy that is acute. So if you have if you have a food allergy like peanuts, for instance, or shellfish, yeah, or strawberries, and we see strawberry allergies a lot in, in young children that they do end up growing out of oftentimes. Um, but there are acute reactions to food, and that is an actual food allergy. It's very different to have a food intolerance. Food intolerances won't necessarily give you that immediate acute skin rash or whatever, but food intolerances over time, they do build up. And I, I think I've told you this, I've explained this to you before that there's, when I work with patients, I work with a, a toxic cup, like your, your body is a cup and everything that you put into your, your cup that is a quote unquote toxin for your body, it just builds up and your, your cup gets more full and it gets Mm -hmm. more full and it gets more full and it gets more full. And then eventually when you, when you experience, if it's not a food allergy, if it's, if it's an intolerance or if it's a, you know, a toxic buildup, eventually you will, your cup will overflow. Mm -hmm. And now you wake up having this eczema experience and you're like, Oh, it feels, it feels sudden when actually it wasn't sudden at all. It was, it's been building in your system. Versus, you know, you go and you're severely allergic to peanuts and you have a full flare up in your mouth or whatever. That's it's they're two different things. But yes, they're I that's ex- you're the, the latter of those situations is exactly how I my experience with my food intolerance. It was a toxic overload. And, you know, I was intolerant to dairy. I was intolerant to cane sugar and wheat. And I was eating all three of those things all the time. And so anything I ate, I would have cherries would, would, you know, cause me to have skin rash or diarrhea or seemed, you know, on the outside that you couldn't eat anything when really it was just, you had a few core things that were building up in your system over time. Uh If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. So then when you work with somebody who's got, who's in an inflammatory state, which could be for so many reasons. And, and imagine you'd, you'd probably not only focus on food, you'd, you'd do other things, assuming you're doing other things as well, uh, maybe getting more sleep or reducing some of the, the plastics that they're getting or their shampoo, changing their, their personal care. Um, so many other things that you can change, but, um, what would you do in terms of their food? Is there, in general, because I know that everybody's so different and it's so hard to say, but what do you see across the board that works as an anti-inflammatory? And how long would it take before you see a reaction? I mean, a, a positive benefit. Yeah. It, well, it definitely depends on the patient and how inflamed they are, how toxic they are, and you know the other health conditions they're experiencing. In general, though, there are absolutely certain foods that contribute to toxic load pretty much across the board, regardless of who you are. Mm-hmm. Gluten is one of those things. And I, I hate saying, you know, it, it's true. Gluten is bad for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. it, mostly because the, the gluten in the wheat that we're eating today mm-hmm. is highly processed and you know, in compared comparison to like the 1950s, our breads and our cereals and our wheat only had about 10 to 12% of gluten in it. Uh Today in our processed Uh world, our breads and our cereals and whatever have have close to 35% gluten. So we're just, our bodies can't handle it. It's different. It's a different food now. Um, So gluten's one of them. Refined sugars Uh is another one. Uh We are just Mostly because of how many process, how much processed foods we're eating, packaged mm-hmm. foods, processed foods, 
there is added and refined sugars added to almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really big one. Alcohol in general will add to a toxic, you know, toxic load pretty much regardless. Um, mm-hmm. People don't like hearing that one. <laughs> people don't like hearing that one. I my know, clients me hate too. that one. <laughs> me too. Um, and then I would say uh, dairy is the other, the other really big culprit. Mo- not because dairy can't be healthy for us. Just like yeah. wheat can be healthy for us in certain instances. But there, we, certain foods have been so overprocessed yes. um, over the past several decades. And dairy, dairy and wheat specifically are two of those uh, food groups that just... Can I ask you something? Because you've got experience in this that I'm very curious to know about. You went with Dr. Valtrolongo to Italy mm-hmm. to study aging populations and, and their, their health. Now, the way I understand those people who are, you know, centenarians um, living in Italy, Sardinia, for example. Did you go to Sardinia or no? Or you weren't we too? didn't go to Sardinia. Okay. We, were, we, were in Genoa. we were in Genoa. Genoa. Okay. So, but you've studied, you know what mm-hmm. we're talking about. So when I look at those populations on paper, and you were there in person, so you can tell me the truth, they're eating wheat and having wine and having their cheese and have their biscuit. And I'm like, how in the world, (laughs) after everything you and I say, I say exactly the same thing you do, how is it that they're living to 100? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. In fact, (laughs) I will say... One of the most surprising things to me as a dietitian going to study with him that summer was how difficult it was to find vegetables. They, <laughs> so, so that I, is I think I, it's not the image that, that the romantic image we all have. It's not, of it's these. not as romantic an image, <laughs> but I will say that the difference is, is that, you know, we went, our group of students went and we didn't have access really to be able to cook our own food. And I do think that that is a huge difference is that people are cooking their food way more than they're eating out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're in Spain, I'm, but here in America, people eat out all the time. One mm-hmm. of, one of my biggest challenges with working with patients is that people don't know how to cook and they're uh-huh. not cooking. That's and they're surprising. Getting, and that's, I find that in Hong Kong, yes, everyone in Hong Kong was surprised that I cook. Nobody does. But I thought in the U.S., I mean, you were in L.A., right? So you- I, yeah. I'm in L.A., but, but the, but the cultural, you know, eating out culture here and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, people just don't cook. And if they do, they're not, they're not you know, very creative. So anyways, that, I think that that's one of the big differences. I also will say, and this kind of goes to- what I was just mentioning before about our food just being different. Our food in America, Western Western societies that follow an American diet, we have very processed food. To get the same nutrients from a banana, for instance, is today in 2020, is vastly different than the nutrients that were in the same banana from the same farm about 50 years ago. You have to wow. eat about four times as many bananas to get the same amount of nutrients. We're just not, our food is far more depleted than it ever used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do find that when I was in Genoa, when I was in these smaller cities in Europe that do have longer living uh, folks, they, they're farming more locally. You know, they're mm-hmm. getting their food from more nutrient rich soils. So mm-hmm. um, they're in, they're cooking more and their, their wheat and their dairy are not as processed. Mm. Yes. You know, I do think that, and they're, they're walking more. They don't, they don't drive here in LA. We're constantly a car. You go to Mm -hmm. Europe, they're walking 10,000 steps a day. That's like 
that's a, a walk in the park, you know, that's, <laughs> literally just, they had, that's what they do. So activity is different. Also the, there's a very, very different culture in, especially in Italy around work and meal times. People take elongated lunches there mm-hmm. and they're, they're leisurely and they're intended to be relaxing. And usually there's a glass of wine at lunch, even if it's a work week. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a different, there's less stress in general, I think. So those are, those, those are some really big takeaways. So it goes to show you that it's more areas. than just the food that has an influence oh, on how long you live. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you absolutely. think that their, but their food that they eat is more nutrient dense and we've lost a lot of nutrients in our Western American culture. Why is that? Why is the, there not as many nutrients in the food in the, say a banana or, Mo- you know, you, or the carrot yeah, or whatever? Sure. Yeah. I mean, mass agriculture is one of the biggest culprits for that. Um, We have depleted our soil from a variety of extricative processes over time. You know, there's a, there's a science and an art to turning soil and, you know, rotating crops and this type of thing that mass agriculture doesn't, at least, I think that we are getting coming back into that. I think there's a lot of demand for better and more local and organic farming now, but it's still, you know, do you go walk down the street to the, your, your neighborhood mm-hmm. farmer or do you go to your Whole Foods? You know, there, there's, mm-hmm. and the Whole Foods is, is getting oranges from Mexico and, and when we have oranges here. So it's not only a mass agriculture thing. It's not only a, our soils being depleted type of thing, but it's also the way that trading works. I mean, I, I always find that so funny living in California that you go to Whole Foods and quite literally the, the state of citrus you know, you should be able to find citrus anywhere. And, and the, the oranges and the citrus that were, and the avocados that we're buying from Whole Foods down the street are actually from, not even from the U.S. Wow. So it's, it's you know, and, and all, and the amount of time that food is sits on a truck to get yeah. over here, you're losing nutrients. Like all of this stuff plays mm. a role. Um, so you think, why, why is it that they're buying food not from the U.S.? Like avocados, you're in California. That's avocado that's, country. Why, why aren't they coming? Trade, trade. Is it cheaper, just cheaper to buy from Mexico than it is I, from yeah. your own backyard? Yeah, that's I think that's, crazy. isn't that part of the, um, the North American trade uh, agreement? Yeah. Agreement between Canada and Mexico and the States. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's financial, it's, it's a trade thing. And also, be, you know, the bigger the farm, the less likely they are to pay really close attention to those farming intricacies that are that are really that you know they over time they do take nutrients out of the soil and that's just that's just how it goes this episode is sponsored by primidine a supplement that if i had to choose only one it would pretty much be this one it's because primidine is spermidine and this has been shown to activate autophagy which is super important and it's basically a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age when we get older our cells accumulate a lot of junk and a lot of waste and this isn't really great for us so we need to clean it up so if you want some research go to primidine.com and you can see all of it supporting cognitive health and heart health, hormone balancing, and long and strong hair, nails, and eyelashes by using spermidine. So another very important reason why I love primidine in particular so much is that I've never had received ever as much feedback about a product as I have 
with primidine. Literally several times a week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time, it's about improved sleep. So I can honestly say that I can 100% be convinced now that primidine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on primadine.com. And that's P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E.com. Now enjoy the show. So tell me then a little bit, I know that you know a lot about this company also related to Prolon and Dr. Walter Longo called Nutrition for Longevity, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you said they have very good farming practices. And so do you find that they're their foods then are, are more nutrient dense. Yes. They've taken everything. I love, I love that company. They're based out of New Jersey, I think right now, or Pennsylvania. They're Mm -hmm. in the, in the uh, Northeast. Um, Yeah. They, they have purchased acres of farmland up there and have completely gone out of the, the mass agriculture scene. They, they're doing everything themselves and it's, which is why it's, it's such a slow slow to build company because they, you know, can only do so much with the, and that's how it should be. You know, you, you just don't have any more, you know, to, instead of just pumping it out, you have what you have and, and that's what you have. Yeah. So, but yes, they're all organic. They have, they, I think they even have, excuse me if I'm saying this wrong, but I, I think they even have aquaponics on, on oh, site too. Cool. Um, wow. So they're so- so the idea is, let's guys go and support your local farms. <laughs> so yes. Look where are your yes. fruits and vegetables coming from? They will be more nutrient. Eat seasonally. Eat yes. seasonally. Eat. You know, that's the other thing too about about being in Italy and, and having people buy from local farmers. You can't. I mean, I'm I'm a terrible example because California, we we are we can grow most things all year round, but mm-hmm. you shouldn't be eating pomegranates in May. You know, there. Mm-hmm. So you should be the more nutrient dense the the more seasonally you can eat, the more nutrients you're probably going to get from that food because it's ripe. It it was it didn't have to go through the transport process because your local farmers are providing it, and it's it's cheap. It's also cheaper to eat seasonally. Also, depending on where you going off on a teeny bit of a tangent, but also depending on where you live, the foods that are available in that geo, geo geographic location are what your body actually needs nutritionally during mm-hmm. that season. Yeah. So um, it makes perfect okay. sense that it's the only exception I make are berries. <laughs> I have to eat berries all year <laughs> round. <know>. Sorry. That's, <laughs> that's very California of you. I know. So let's get back to the inflammation. So let's mm-hmm. say, for example, I, at my age, I'm already 50 and I'm very active. So I've got, you know, osteoarthritis or I've got like knee injuries and things like that. So it's very often I'll have, I'm starting to have more pain and it sucks. And I know it's inflammation and I'm doing mm-hmm. a lot of things. I kind of combat it all from all angles, but say from a food perspective, what would you recommend for somebody who has arthritis, somebody who has joint pain or that, those kinds of pains where you know it's, it's inflammation? How can they help that from a food perspective? First thing I will say is, is to consider playing with your grains a little bit, seeing if you can go grain free. For, I mean, not everyone can and it's, mm-hmm. it, grains have a lot wonderful nutrients. I'm not saying that they're bad, but they do, you know, there is a lot of cross contamination with gluten in other grains, even in things like rice and oats and things like that. So, um, and gluten super inflammatory. And I do see that a lot with, with joint pain specifically that grains tend to not work well for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I would definitely start there. I, and there's 
get into herbs, get into spices, because mm. things like turmeric and resveratrol and all of these, you know, very quelling nutrients, phytonutrients and, and herbs are really, really powerful. And that's the other thing that, uh, you know, now that we're talking about Italy and the differences is that, you know, here in the States, we don't, we're very, we stick to the same, you know, handful of herbs you know when you get parsley into Italy, is just a decoration on a dish people don't even a eat decoration. it <laughs> you know we have salt and pepper and like garlic and whatever but people don't play with their herbs herbs are powerful not only do they provide like they're just little pockets of major nutrients but they also can can really significantly help reduce inflammation do you see uh, a difference yeah. between dried herbs and fresh herbs I, I have I have both. I use both um, depending on how I'm using them. But I, I would say I probably use dry more. But dry, there there is nutrients in both. Mm. I would say how, in any way that you can, the 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 microgreens, the herbs, uh, the spices, all of these are really potent uh, medicinal things as well. There's a great tip I got when I was living in Russia and Ukraine. They make salads out of herbs. Like, forget salad or leaves. Because actually, at the time that I was living there, it didn't, lettuce didn't exist. And when it started to come out, we had to buy it leaf by leaf. Previous to that, they would make their salads just with parsley or cilantro, dill, yeah. whatever grew. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it's an amazing salad to have oh, yeah. just an herb. I mentioned a big bowl of all these herbs, salad dressing or whatever it is that you want to put on there. But great. They pack a big punch. They yeah. pack a really big punch. Yeah, I would. But so that would, that's the other thing, too, is I like to try to, you know, help people expand their uh, seasonings, um, mm. spices, herbs, things like that. Is but there yeah, any certain herbs that other than yeah, turmeric that you would say are, are quite powerful? Ginger, turmeric, yeah, rosemary is a big one. Mm. I would say the, the, so. When you're talking about inflammation, the the, the two godfathers mm. of of nutrients are curcumin and resveratrol. And curcumin's the the active uh, component in turmeric. Resveratrol mm -hmm. is what we find in red wine, but you can also find in most red fruits and vegetables. But but taking therapeutic doses of that as you get older, or if you or if you do have more inflammation, is is um, taking the two together is is like the that's the first first step. You yeah. know there, that that's the that's the overarching, and then you yeah. can start getting more specific and finite from there. Um, the resveratrol combo is is major for anti-inflammatory. And resveratrol, when we talk about resveratrol, we're not saying have a glass of wine every day. Okay? No. Yeah, no. As well, depending well, on who you are. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's, you yeah, know, actually yeah. in France, they do have a glass of wine every day and it seems to work for them. But again, it could yeah. be due to other things. However, right. Dr. Um, gosh, what's his name? David, David Sinclair. And he's a mm -hmm. Harvard professor of genetics mm -hmm. and he wrote the book called Longevity. And so he says that it takes about a thousand bottles of wine to get the therapeutic yeah. dose of resveratrol. Exactly. So mm -hmm. a thousand Which, bottles or a thousand glasses, something like that, but something impossible. So, yes. Yeah. So yes. you're kidding yourself if you think your yeah. glass of wine is giving you enough resveratrol. Yeah. And that's why I take it as a supplement. And yes. I, um, and it's actually kind of hard to find, at least in Europe, trying to hard to find like pure, just a higher dosage of resveratrol. It's usually some vitamin that's yeah. got a teeny tiny bit of resveratrol and that doesn't seem to be also taking um taking liposomal versions or of curcumin and resveratrol are, is usually better. Tell us of, what that means. 
Liposomal is is liquid and you put it underneath your tongue and you let it sit and absorb in, in through the glands in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a much more bio- bioavailable, gets immediately into your system instead of having to, you know, take a pill. When you take a pill, you have to, it goes down to your, to your stomach and your stomach yeah. has to, you know, sort through it from there. Taking it liposomally, it's basically just right in your system right away because your your mouth can absorb. Ooh, do you do you take resveratrol? I do. I have I have a I have a turmeric resveratrol. I don't take it every day though. I take it I take it in acute situations if I feel although it's it's safe to take every day. Um, yeah, yeah. Assuming assuming yeah. Well, for most people, anyways, t- check with your practitioner on this. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's something that I have in my fridge because liposomals usually need to be refrigerated. Mm. Um, but I'll take it at first sign of fatigue or, or, you know, a cough or any sort of yeah. pain in any sort of way. Um, where do you get it? From? I love, there's a company, I have a variety of companies that I am very loyal to. And Desbio is for the liposomals. Desbio is a big, has a ton of wonderful products. Um, Desbio. Okay. I wonder Desbio, if they deliver yeah. <laughs> I want to say that they do. I'm writing that down because that would be that's something resveratrol I usually get from Thorn is a capsule, but they don't think they do the liposomal. So Thorn, um, yeah, Thorn is another good one, and Quicksilver has a few um, liposomals as well. Yeah, especially for they have a really good um, glutathione that I like. That's a Uh, liposomal. Oh, glutathione! Um, But yeah, you have to be a little bit. It's easier for your body to absorb and digest. Uh, mm. liposomal things depend depending on what it is but, i've seen uh, liposomal capsules though does that what does that mean some some capsules will say liposomal and, and did if, I, if but that's a capsule and you're thinking well how, how does that mean it looks more like a gel type capsule when it says that it's because it's in a fat it's like it's coated in a fat substance put it under my tongue instead of swallowing it depends on what it is what what kind of capsule was it um this one was a turmeric one and it said something like liposomal capsule. Yeah, so I, I don't know. If it's just if it's just turmeric, I would imagine you probably could if you wanted. Yeah. So okay. So what I've picked up so far is to lower inflammation with food is one remove the inflammatory foods such mm-hmm. as gluten and sugar and alcohol, dairy. Then start eating anti-inflammatory foods, which we've covered: herbs and spices like turmeric resveratrol maybe rosemary leafy greens leafy yeah. greens uh, oh yeah um and fatty fish especially if it's it's wild caught and sustainably so it says me so what if it's not what if somebody's buying farm would that be an inflammatory type of fish you or know, is it just loses the anti-inflammatory properties it, no but you're risking the heavy metals Mm. in certain fish depending on how it's grown and this is this is also getting to know where you're purchasing your your fruits and vegetables as well as your fish is really really important because in certain farm rate like I said aquaponics is a whole different thing that I I'm not well versed in but there's you know and some people sustainably grow in farms but there is it depends on the fish depends on the farmer depends on how it's you know mm-hmm. how it's being grown but the thing with fish that you got to be careful with um and making sure that you really know and trust the source of from where you're buying it is that you mm-hmm. do not that it doesn't have the the omega um, also omega three is huge for anti-inflammation but mm-hmm. um, not that it doesn't have those that nutrients but you're also risking the increase of those heavy metals that are not 
good for us. That sounds like another podcast is how to, (laughs) how to choose, how to, how to know if your food is sustainably sourced um, and farmed, how to buy it, if it's expensive, what are the best ways to do it? It's, Mm -hmm. let's do it. Let's do a podcast on that because that's a a big one. Yeah. Especially, I know you have clients too, who just can't afford like that really expensive Mm -hmm. because it is Mm -hmm. more expensive, you know, and there are probably Mm -hmm. hacks that you can do to, to get that in your life. But, um, yeah. Oh yeah. So so what about, um, so what else is there in terms of like, when you think of, so these are the powerhouses and, but when I think of sort of anti-inflammatory foods, I think of a lot of vegetables and fruits. Is there a hierarchy? Are there some that are more, more powerful than others? Also olive oils and things like that. Um, you know, it, it, this is, this is where you have to get a little bit more personalized. Obviously everything with nutrition should be personalized. You can't just take it. Not, nothing is going to work. Not one thing is going to work for everyone. We've, we uh-huh. talk about this a lot, but so you do have to get specific, but I would say that, and the reason I say that is because certain like nightshades of vegetables, like peppers yeah, and tomatoes and potatoes and things like that, they can be very anti-inflammatory for some people and very inflammatory for other people. So it's not, you know, a blanket and also high oxalate uh, vegetables too, like, like spinach and leafy, some leafy greens that have lots of oxalate. Mm-hmm. Those don't work for some people. I would say in terms of the calmest, the calmest types of veggies would be the squash family. So zucchinis, yellow squash, summer squash, most of the time, assuming you don't have, you know, IBS, uh, you should be able to get away with onions and garlic. Um, although I know that those are triggering to some people too. Mm. Um, tomatoes generally are fairly safe as well, unless of course you have a, a nightshade issue. But again, the nightshade, you know, if you do have a very big thing with the nightshade category, it's probably because you're inflamed and, you know, mm-hmm. getting it down, getting your inflammation down, you may, you may find that you can eat those types of vegetables a little bit better. It sounds like, yeah, the food is, so, the vegetables and fruit could be so powerful, but yet so toxic at the same time, depending on who you are. And depending how- on who you are and, and also how, how much you're actually eating of those things already, because a lot of people, they're going from zero to a hundred overnight. And that's, you know, I, I say this with probiotics, you shouldn't do that. You, there's, there's, a, there's a titration process. There's an incremental process that happens. Because if you, if you go from eating, as a bad example, but go from eating McDonald's every day to eating salads every day, your system is going to not know what to do. Same thing with water. If you are not used to drinking a lot of water, you can't go from drinking five glasses a day to drinking 20. Like that yeah. doesn't work either. You have to very slow. This is why slow incremental changes not only help to foster healthy habits for the long term, but it also gives your body to adjust, time to mm-hmm. adjust. And that's fair enough because sometimes people, they feel bad doing some of these healthy ideas, the healthy habits, but yet they go, oh, I, you know, their body's in shock, but yet, so they're not really giving it a chance to, they go, oh, they'll give up on it because they go, oh, it's just, I feel bad. So we're not I doing bad, it right having, Yeah. I'm eating so many vegetables, but I'm having like major diarrhea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've, yeah. you've done it too. <laughs> if you're having that experience, you're, you did it too quick. Yeah. Your body needs, I remember when I was super inflamed back in many years ago now, but I had a wheatgrass shot. I wouldn't say I was technically very unhealthy, but I was very inflamed because I, I was eating a lot of foods I didn't realize were bad for me, toxic mm-hmm. for me. Um, but I went to have like a wheatgrass shot and I threw it up. I legitimately wow. threw it up. Wow. I was like, it was too, 
too natural, too much for my body yeah. at the time. Anyway, <laughs> it just goes to show you, you can't do it overnight and you shouldn't expect yourself to do it overnight. And it's fine to go slow. It's better to go slow. How long does it take before you'd actually see some benefits? If you've got some joint pain, for example, and you start taking turmeric, uh, does it matter? And obviously, I don't know how much dosage you'd need to take, but when do you start going, oh, I, I start feeling better? We did talk about days, yeah. weeks, months. Some people, I mean, depending on where you're at in the process, right? I mean, if you did a food elimination diet and were very strict about following it properly and doing doing the right protocol, you could see you would see benefit within a week. If you're doing it more slowly, if you're making only a few changes at a time, it could take a couple months. Assuming that you're consistent and you're staying with it, and you're not following protocol, but then also eating the Oreos anyways, like once a week or having your cheat day once a week. When you're cleaning your system out, that doesn't exist. These, these cheat days or whatever, they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you have to be consistent. That is critical. And that's not to say that you can, eventually you can't have, you know, the, you know, some, you be a little bit more lenient, but when you're in an elimination and when you're trying to get your inflammation down there, you have to be committed to that. Yeah. Um, because every, everything, it can be triggering. Yeah. It's so important to know. And it's, it, and I think that timeline is important because I get clients who are like, after a few days, if they don't see change, they're like, ah, it doesn't work. And you're like, eh, you know, so it's giving them Consistency a bit of, is key. Is yeah. a, and also, go ahead. I was going to say, and also, you know, I, I have a lot of patients that I've, I've guided through food elimination diets and, and, you know, what have you, especially for autoimmune conditions and which is a very inflammatory conditions. There's a lot of times you have to be very prepared that you are very likely not going to feel great right away. Most of the time. And maybe you do feel, feel a little bit better and some relief from some of the immediate changes. There's a toxic removal process that doesn't feel good. And you have to persist through that. Like that is and that is where a lot of people fall off. They're like, oh, I, I feel, you know, feel like shit. But that mm-hmm. there is that it's part of the process. And when your body is flushing, flushing toxins, when it's getting all that shit out of your system, mm-hmm. you're not going to feel great. There, there are ways to kind of help your body along in those instances. And, you know, you can take bentonite clays, you can take salt baths, you can drink more water, you can get more sleep. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to help alleviate some of those adverse symptoms, but Mm -hmm. that's part of the process. And you have to, there's gold on the other side. You just got to get through the, you got to get through the sludge to get there. Well, that's why people see you and have you walk them through this. And um, it's very important. I think when you are doing this kind of elimination diet or anything, trying to solve your health problems that you have a nutritionist or a health coach or somebody guiding you through and and just cheering you on and make sure that you stick with it. So if you guys are listening to this and you need help, get in touch with Melanie Murphy. She's at health and wellness on Instagram, health in just like M&M's health and wellness, or you can go to her website, um, Melanie Murphy, RD.com. RD is for registered dietitian. So please don't hesitate and get in touch with her ASAP. If you need help. It makes a big difference. The second you figure out what works for you, it's like, it's like the floodgates of heaven open. You're like, wow, I feel amazing. This is so, you never want to have, you don't want to grab that thing again. I, I, I say that all the time. I'm like, you know, yeah, I can't have, I can't have regular cake with regular, you know, dairy and cane sugar, but that momentary experience of enjoying that one piece of cake is so not worth the cascade of issues I have afterwards. I feel so much better not 
there's a, there's a, there's stages through that process, yeah. but. And there's so many healthier alternatives that very mimic yeah. pretty well yeah. that whatever it yeah. is that you want. So, yeah. and that's what. You can still enjoy your life. Yes. You can still enjoy it. There's no giving up. So um, Melanie, yeah. before we let you go, is there anything that you really need to tell us about inflammation and food that we haven't talked about yet? I think buying local, buying seasonally, um, focusing on removing the, the known inflammatory foods is huge. But it's at the end of the day, you are your own body, you are your own chemi chemistry, makeup, and what works for me, what works for you, what works for your sister or brother is going to be different. You can follow all of the trendy things and follow all of the quote unquote good advice. But if you don't invest the time, couple months of your life to figuring out your unique food situation you will likely never really feel 100%. <laughs> it's, it, it requires a little bit of, of time. It requires a little bit of dedication, but it is a drop in the bucket if you can put that time in and figure out what works for you because you'll feel amazing. Yes, you do. it's the best investment you'll ever make in your health. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. take care of that. Well, thank you mm -hmm. so much, Melanie. I always thank find you. you so fascinating. Always learn so many great things from you. I, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I hope you have a good day, good night, good morning, wherever you guys yeah, are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll all, see you next time. The globe. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.